Hope all of you are doing well this morning. Um, I wanted to spend a few minutes. Last week I spoke about our missions conference. We have it starting uh, next weekend, beginning March 2nd. Uh, if you picked up a bulletin, in your bulletin, two important items in there, the missions conference brochure, and it has a, a schedule in there for you, as well as uh, March 2nd uh, times for the men's breakfast and the brunch. Um, so please be aware of that and sign up for those if you have not. Uh, I want to, I wanna, maybe this is a reminder. It is for me oftentimes. I want to start with this. Everybody in this room and on this campus this morning, our neighbors across the world, we're each individuals, right, intentionally made by God uh, in his image. God has given us the specific gifts and talents that he needs us to have for his purposes. We're where we need to be at the exact moment we need to be in that place. We're in the circumstances that we need to be in that he needs us in, right? I hope that we all agree with that. And so an important part of our missions conference uh, this year, uh, the passage Romans 12, as well as in, in First, Second Timothy, Ephesians, Colossians, Corinthians. Uh, these passages talk about the intentional work of the body of Christ, okay, to do the Lord's work. And so I wanted to share a little bit of an acronym with you. Um, the first letter, BMP, and uh, that stands for prayer. Uh, so it's important that we pray uh, for our missionaries, for the work that they're doing. Um, that we partner with them in prayer, um, that we pray for each other in that. Uh, prayer is an important part. The Bible tells us to pray fervently and without ceasing, and there's a lot to that uh, that I'm not near intelligent enough to speak to. Uh, the second word in this is always. Uh, always for the work of the Lord. Always for the Lord. Um, we don't do these things for men. Uh, we do it for the Lord. The next letter is C, and that's courage. Going back to we're each individually and uniquely made by God with specific talents, gifts, and specific responsibilities. Are we bold enough? Are we being courageous enough to utilize those gifts while we encourage the missionaries, while we encourage each other, while we do the work of the Lord? Being bold. And the last letter, E, encouragement. Um, just tying that in, are we, are we encouraging to the labor across the world, the labor locally? Um, and so that spells pace. So I want to, I, I, I'm kind of self-reflecting recently and wondering what my pace is, what direction am I heading? And so the pace that I'm going, do I have these important tools in my toolbox? And are they, are they soaking in my heart? Uh, for what for what I'm heading towards. So what's our pace towards the, the prize, if you will? Um, so I just wanted to share that. Also in your bulletin, you have uh, bookmarks that the missions committee uh, placed in there, and these have our missionaries in there. Uh, you'll see on the screen our missionaries. Um, so as those scroll through, um, I want you to reflect on our connections our responsibility with each of these missionaries. Several of them are in this room today with us. 
chapter. We're going to have several more next week and the week after. And uh, so just thinking through, praying through these, uh, their needs. Uh, are we reaching out to these? Are we reaching up to the one who provides the provisions for these? What is our part in this? What is our part in reaching each one that needs to be reached, that God has purposed to be reached uh, across the world? Um, again, going back to there's 6,000 plus uh, people, unreached people groups, I believe, uh, the 1040 window, the 414 window, and um, when we have these partnerships, I like to define it as that, uh, in that work and in that labor. Um, so if you will, just keep in mind this bookmark is to, uh, it, sh it says uh, how to pray on it, gives you some pointers to pray. Um, and so at this time, let me just pray um, for these missionaries and for our part in that work. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, come together this morning. Um, we ask forgiveness for our failures, um, first and foremost, Lord, where we miss opportunity um, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, uh, in Alabama, and across the world. And we just pray that you help us not to miss those opportunities any longer. Uh, Lord, help us to be bold in utilizing the gifts that you have given us, uh, the time, the talents, the money. Uh, Lord, offer your glory. Uh, Lord, we pray that you mold um, all of us into the men and women that you need us to be for your glory. We pray for these missionaries. We thank you so much for them. We thank you for uh, their boldness, uh, their courage in answering that call uh, where they are placed. Um, and Lord, we just pray for encouragement from unexpected places for them. Um, we pray that you will um, show them at the exact moment um, in the exact circumstance, uh, the opportunity that you have for them. Uh, Lord, and we pray that for all of us, that you use us, uh, no matter how scary that may sound, that you use us uh, for your glory. We thank you for Jesus and, um, and the salvation that that blood brings to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we had a memorial service yesterday for um, Jean Pardue here. And... Um, she was like a, a mother to, to myself and to Teresa. I've always been, a, we've been close with Jeff and Mary Pardue for years. And <clears throat> when we were eating hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, every once in a while Jeff would call and say, hey, you and Teresa want to come over for steak? And we're like, well, okay, we'll come. <laughs> and so um, that happened on a pretty regular basis. But yesterday the Lord reminded me of something that I think is very important for all of us to, to think about. And... Um, and that is that um, one day, all of us who are in Christ are going to be in the presence of the Lord. I saw people here yesterday I hadn't seen in 25 or more years. And for different reasons, people go to different churches. And I'm like, you know, the Lord's going to take all that stuff and he's going to put us together. And it's going to be all about him and it's not going to be about us. Um, I want you to take your Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 4. And I want us to stand as we read Revelation 4. I just want to take you to the scene that's future. You and I will be there if you're in Christ. Only if you're in Christ will you be there. John writes uh, these words. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven... 
And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones. And upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments, and golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne proceed flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And the first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night, underscore that, day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying... And why are they casting their crowns before the throne? Because he's the one that's worthy. Worthy art thou, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou didst create all things, and because of thy will they existed and were created. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. I hope and pray that you look forward to that day and that scene. Let's pray together. Lord, truly, you are the only one worthy. You're the only one worthy of glory and honor and praise. Lord, I I pray that we are um, taken back by our salvation. It's not something we deserve. Grace says it's undeserved favor. But we are so, so thankful if we're in Christ today. I pray that's our heart attitude. We are thankful for your loving kindness and your mercy that's been displayed in our lives and continues to be displayed in our lives. And I pray this morning that the worship time that we have through your word and through song will um, be honorable. And Lord, that um, it will glorify you And that our minds are where they need to be. Our focus is right here, right now. As we have the great privilege to to worship together. um, To worship the one and only God. There is no other God. And so we are here to worship you and you alone. We're not here to worship man. We're here to worship you. And I pray 
that our minds and our hearts are about that today. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. We serve a great God, and that's what we want to start singing this morning about in worship. So you guys remain standing and singing.
Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Acts in the 20th chapter. Acts chapter 20. Last week, Kevin began giving announcements about our missions conference. And so, as he was going through the presentation last week, the Lord just kept impressing on my heart this week to speak kind of a message before missions conference. So I always try to be obedient to the Lord in that. Um, I know you were expecting Jonah, but he won't go anywhere. Right. right now he's not in a great place anyway, so we'll pick him back up. One of the points that Kevin made last week I really liked, I don't know if the missions committee put it together, but thought, well, this is really something that we probably ought to think about if we belong to Christ. It says, our 2019 missions conference is focusing on the ministry of the missionaries we support. You know, the word ministry, you need to know this, it's the term diakonos in the Greek. Isn't that a cool term? And it means to serve. Typically, when one thinks of ministry, it's just for the professionals. You know, the missionaries and the pastors and such. Hey, I've got some good news for you. If you're in Christ today, you're in the ministry. Isn't that cool? You're in the ministry. So it says, our 2019 missions conference is focusing on the ministry of the missionaries we support. And then he wrote a reminder that we each have a responsibility, and listen to this next phrase, to fulfill. And that's what we want to talk about today, to fulfill. What does that mean? The individual ministries we have been charged with according to Scripture and to support and encourage those missionaries abroad. I have a file in my office. Well, it's not in my office, actually. It's in Connie's office. And this file is pretty full. You see that? It's kind of thick. You know what that file is? It's a file of cards from funerals that I've done. Pretty significant file. There's lots of cards in here. Um, I hope I don't forget this file later. But within that file, I pulled out three examples of people that many of us knew who were in the ministry to the end. You knew them and maybe had a relationship with them, and I had relationships with all these folks. And it just reminded me that, you know, these guys were in the ministry until the day the Lord took them home. And so I got to thinking, well, that's true for us. There's retirement from your job, but there's never retirement from the ministry. <laughs> And if you've had that mind that there's retirement from the ministry, might I encourage you to change your mind today? Because God does not have it 
in his mind that we retire from ministry until he takes us home. <laughs> oh, man. This is good stuff. I, I love reminding myself of people who have ministered to us, who served us with different gifts, who served us in terms of the one another passages. The first one's Henry Nellums. How many of you remember good old Henry Nellums? Man, what a guy. Can I tell you one of the greatest times that I ever had with, with Henry Nellums was with David Albright. Remember that, David? We went to Henry's home, and he, was, he wasn't doing so well, and um, we had communion with Henry. Can I tell you something about Henry? He loved talking about heaven. <laughs> I mean, he was all about it. And I know he, he was about to go meet the Savior, but even before he knew all that, he was always talking about heaven. He was an encourager. He was a witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And do you know what? He was faithful to the end. <laughs> he could say, like Paul did, I finished the course. Isn't that what we should want in our own lives? Well, I pulled out two more. I mean, I have a ton of them I could pull out. This one, you remember Miss Daniel? How many of you remember Miss Daniel? She was one of those ladies that told me she didn't want to be the oldest mother when we had Mother's Day. I said, look, we'll cancel that. <laughs> when an older lady calls you and says, you're done with that, you're done with it. No more oldest. <laughs> but I pulled out, you know, she's been with the Lord for, well, this year in December, it'll be 16 years. <laughs> Time goes by. I love what her daughter wrote as a tribute. And I, I didn't even ask your permission for this. I tried to find you before church. I thought, well, she didn't get it. Cares about her mother. Who's with the Lord. And, and, and Anne wrote, what a wonderful blessing to have had a precious Christian mother who lived a faithful, courageous life. Demonstrated, and this is very important, God's unconditional love was a consistent prayer warrior and had a merry heart. She will be greatly missed. Her life verse was Romans 8:28. You know, as I was reading the middle of that, she demonstrated God's unconditional love. That's something we're all challenged to do. A consistent prayer warrior. And let me tell you something about Miss Daniel. She was faithful to the end. There's one more. Doris Harper. Do you know that Doris Harper got me to try pimento cheese? <laughs> I always thought that was for weird people. I just was like, I, you know, you know, ladies eat that and some men and I'm not doing that. And one day she invited Teresa and I to the house and so her and uh, Robert were there, and, and I was, you know, when I go to someone's house, I, I mean, I'll just be honest, I like to know what I'm going to eat. Um, but nonetheless, you don't always have that, right? And, and so we walked in, and, and she's got this bowl of this orange stuff, right, with these red little peppers in there, and I'm like, oh, that's pimento cheese. 
It was awesome. That stuff was unbelievable. And you know, she brought me my own bowl. You know, these people I mentioned today, you didn't love them, something's wrong with you. <laughs> she was quite a lady. And as I think about Doris Harper, I was reading through her bulletin. And um, do you know the last hymn that was sung at her service was, The Longer I Serve Him. I thought, man, Lord. I can say, along with the family, she was faithful to the end. She served the Lord faithful to the end. I could name countless people who have been an encouragement to me over the years. Men that I served under who are now with the Lord faithful to the end. They fulfilled the ministry that God gave for them. And can I tell you something about ministry within the walls of the church? It's hard sometimes. But these guys were faithful to the end. I'm like, yes. Doesn't that encourage you as a believer? Faithful to the end. Well, that was Paul's mind. He wanted to be faithful to the end. Acts chapter 20, verse number 24. I want to focus really just on one little phrase, but you kind of have to read all of it. In the context of the passage, the Apostle Paul has called the Ephesian elders to Miletus. And he's given them final instructions, and he's saying his goodbyes to them. And there's tears that go with this. There's agony. Because ministry, listen to me, if you are serving Christ, agony comes with it. It just comes with it. I'm sorry, you might not like to hear that, but it's agonizing at times. Shepherds, people, right, who are shepherds, agonize over the sheep. But you, as a minister, because every single one of us are ministers, we're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Every one of us are that are in Christ. And we have the responsibility, and it is difficult. But nonetheless, we press on. Paul says this in verse 24, I do not consider my life, this is a pretty strong statement, I'm not sure how well this would go over in our country, and I'm not sure how well to go over in, our, in the church today, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. One theologian wrote this, Paul is saying, I do not consider my life so valuable that I am unwilling to lay it down. You get that? Listen to what he said. I do not consider my life so valuable that I'm unwilling to lay it down. In other words, I got to lay it down. I got to lay it down. Because it's his life. It's him working through me. I like that. It's the picture that Paul paints. And you don't need to turn there, but it's the picture that Paul paints in the book of Romans in chapter 12 as he talks about what that looks like in the life of every individual believer. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our spirit, listen, the spiritual service of worship is that we lay it down. We lay our life down. Lord, it's yours. Have you done that? I mean, I'm just asking, you know. I think if I have to ask myself that question this week, I'm going to ask you. Have you done that? Have you laid it down and said, Lord, whatever, whenever, however, I am an instrument for your glory. Use me. Hey, if you do pray that or say that, it's frightening. Because you know what's coming next? He's going to use you. And then you have to make a decision. Well, am I going to obey or not? Because sometimes the opportunities he presents to us are like, Mountains. Oh, Lord, I could never do that. But you know what? As a believer, we have the helper, the Holy Spirit of God, that does it through us. (laughs) We don't do it alone. Paul says, I consider my life, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. In other words, it's a picture of dying to self, dying to self, dying to self. You know, I, I did. I had this vision when I was 17 or 18 years old of walking down another trail in life. And the Lord redirected that trail. And you know how he did it? He did it through people and circumstances. But ultimately, I remember when it happened. I was in the apartment. Teresa and I had been married not very long at all. And I remember kneeling by, by my bed in tears, weeping, Lord, Anywhere you want me to be, that's where I'm going. I can tell you this, I've lived with peace since that point. There's a peace. You say, yeah, but you're the professional minister. Ah, Forget all that. You're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that if you're saved? And God's given you a ministry. You say, where is it? That at work. At school, going through the grocery line, God opens up all kinds of windows for us. We just have to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Look what he says. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. And here's why. In order that I may finish my course. Hey, guys, the Lord has you on a course. You know, Ephesians 2, verse 10 tells us that. He's got us on a course. I, I mean, it's just as clear as clear can be. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, listen to this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now listen to this. This is really awesome. Which God has prepared beforehand that we should do what? Walk in him. God's prepared that we walk. He prepares it, we walk. He prepares it, we walk. (laughs) By the way, there is no time off in the ministry. You say, yeah, about that I need a respite. Ah, You'll get that when you get to heaven. Hey, listen, we go on vacations, right? To do what? To get away from people. And guess what we run into? People. One time I was walking, I was going to the hospital down at UAB, and, um, you know, I'm just being honest with you. 
my mission was the person I was going to see, and I don't remember who that was, but that was my mission. You know, I'm, I'm walking down the sidewalk. I always try to find a place outside to park at UAB. I, don't, I do not like those garages. So I'm trying, I found me a place outside, and I'm walking, and I'm walking on that street that has all those great little restaurants on it. Right? Really, if you haven't been down there, good. they've got Chinese, they've got chicken, they've got whatever you want. And I always try to go around lunch. Guess why? Because I'm going to stop at one of those places. Usually on the way back from the visit. But anyway, so I'm walking toward the hospital, and um, there's this dude that's laying down in the gutter. And I'm like, oh my goodness, why am I seeing him? And do you know what? We struck up a conversation and we talked. And the dude was hungry. I just looked at him and said, you hungry? He's like, yeah, I'm hungry. I said, well, let's go in this chicken place. This is a pretty good chicken place. My mind was to minister to the person that I was going to see. And by the way, that usually never works out like I think. It's always them ministering to me. But God stopped me for 30 minutes with this guy. And I asked him about his relationship with the Lord. And do you know what? I don't have the gift of evangelism. But I was moved by the Spirit to ask him, Hey, where are you going to spend eternity? I can feed you physically. But listen, there's one that can feed you spiritually and you're going to be satisfied. And his name is Jesus Christ. Paul said, in order that I may finish my course. <laughs> and we want to finish well, don't we? Then you know, at the end of Paul's life, he said he did what? Right before his head was going to be chopped off, he said what to Timothy? I've finished the course. I've finished. Notice he says that I may finish my course, and here it is, in the ministry. That word there is the word diakonon. It's others-centered. <laughs> it's others-centered. It's, listen, it's taking those opportunities God places in front of us and serving others. Yeah, but then I thought church was about me. The way the Lord designed it to be is that we are individual members of the body of Christ, and we're in Christ. You know, the way God designed it to be is that we would minister to one another. And do you know, I'm going to tell you something. There are lots of folks walking in churches today going, feed me, feed me, feed me, it's all about me. I would encourage us to have a mind that when we're with the body of Christ, we're looking for those opportunities. We're being very sensitive to the Spirit of God. I've had people do this from time to time, just walk up to me, and I know they're being moved by the Spirit to do this. That I'm praying for you. Do you know how that ministers to me? I can't even tell you. There's no scale. I can't tell you. It's unbelievable. You know, sometimes we think, well, how much is that going to matter? Obey the Spirit. Yeah, but that I don't write cards too well. Obey the Spirit. Spirit wants you to write something, text something. Nowadays, man, all you got to do is take this phone and, shh, 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 and there you go. Ministry is about others. It's others-centered. And I love the way that Paul puts this. Notice, it's not his ministry. 
It's the ministry which what? I received from the Lord Jesus. My friends, listen to me. This ought to make you want to stand up and clap. He received a ministry from the Lord Jesus. And if you're in Christ today, you received a ministry from the Lord Jesus. He's given you ministry. You're a servant. So he says, I've denied myself. My mind is to finish the course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to do what? Notice what he says, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Now listen to me. When our missionaries come, this is what we typically do. They come up here and they speak and, we're, and we are thinking in our minds. <laughs> nice job. Glad God's called you to that. Way to go. Listen, the Lord may have called them around the world or here in Birmingham or just on the outskirts or in other states. But just like Paul's call was to the gospel of grace, all of us have the call to the gospel of grace. All of us. You have not been freed not to share the gospel. I'm sorry. You say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You do not have to have the gift of evangelism. I don't believe Timothy had the gift. But you know what Paul told him? Do the work of an evangelist. There's no doubt Paul had the gift. He's one of those guys you'd be like, oh, my goodness, stop, right? He just kept on and on and on and on. Why? Because he was convinced that there was no other way to heaven but through Christ alone. And he preached it and he taught it and he lived it. He was faithful to the end. ministry was given to him by the Lord Jesus to solemnly testify of the gospel of the grace of God and wow how different that was from his former life (laughs) you want to read about that difference you read Philippians 3 and he'll tell you about that difference you know it's interesting this idea of fulfilling ministry is not just in this passage can I show you um, two other passages good I want you to take your Bibles and go with me to other places. First of all, go with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Let me show you an example here. Colossians 4. Now typically, when people approach the book of Colossians, and even some ministers are guilty of this, You go from chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 4, verse 9, and go, well, that's enough of that. The rest of this is just a bunch of little people. I don't even know who they are. Because it's about Paul. Well, no, it's not about Paul. And Paul knew it wasn't about Paul. And Paul appreciated those people that labored with him. Can I tell you, I appreciate those of you who labor with me. I appreciate you. I do. Very much. The Apostle Paul appreciated those who labored alongside of him. And sometimes they needed encouragement, just like you and I need encouragement, right? We need encouragement to keep on going. Verse 17 of chapter 4, Paul says to Archippus, now look at this, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. Well, first of all, that little phrase, take heed, In the original language, it means see to it. See to it. 
It also can mean beware of the fact, right? To continue on in the ministry. See to it. Zealously fulfill is the idea. He says, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. That you may do what? What does that say? You may fulfill it. Complete it. Ministry is about who? Others. Take heed to the service of others. You can even say that. Take heed to the service of others. Which you have received in the Lord. That you may fulfill it. That means complete it. Go on to the end. Don't stop. Guys, I got... I have great news for you. We don't have to try to do all that in our own strength. We won't. If, if we try in our own strength, we'll stop. And you know what ministry will look like? It will go from joy to sorrow. <laughs> from joy to ugh. It's got to be the Holy Spirit of God that we're dependent on in ministry. I mean, he's the one that's leading us and guiding us and directing us. We're walking in the things that the Lord set up for us. So, hey, we're just going to be dependent on the Spirit. He says, fulfill it. Go to the end. One other passage. Go to 2 Timothy. I want to show you this one real quick. And then I'm going to tell you what ministry you're a part of. <laughs> you're going to love that. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I think, you know, 2 Timothy, I have favorite books in the Bible. I like Ephesians a whole lot. I like Romans a whole lot. I just like the New Testament. But Timothy has really just, man, it's ministered to me. Um, because I think a lot of the things he talks about we're kind of living in the last days, Right? All these things that are going on around us and false teaching that's going on. And you're like, hey, it happens and we need to be aware. We need to have our antennas up. And that's what Paul encourages Timothy to do. And you come to chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Bothers me when I visit. I don't visit churches too much, but when I visit... and and the pastor doesn't open the Bible. I don't get that. I, I, I just don't get it. And I've been in scenes at funerals where they're not opening the Word. I'm going, what are you doing? I mean, what better place to share the gospel of Christ than at a funeral? Teresa's had to put her hand on my leg every once in a while, right, to hold me down. Because I really, I mean, I know Paul did it. I mean, I... Scripture's clear. I mean, he, he interrupted people. And it's like, hey, preach the gospel. Give these people hope. Because the gospel's a wonderful message of hope only found in Christ. You know, he died for our sins. Hello? Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Otherwise, I'm still in my sins. If I don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And I remember when that happened for me. I was a little guy. And I confessed my sins and I trusted Christ. That's what I did. I look back and I know, man, the Lord's loving kindness and grace was on my life. I didn't know that until later. 
but I love it. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. In other words, all the time. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. And here's, here's, and this is a very important phrase. With great patience and instruction. It's important to be patient. You know, I know, I don't know how you feel, but every once in a while I get excited up here when I'm talking about the Lord. I, I just can't help it. It's in me. I'm like, I want to give you this. For the time will come, he says, when they will not endure sound doctrine. And that time is here, my friends. Wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. (laughs) Like, for example, uh, the LBGT community. That's just the truth. Right, And there's so, many, so much pressure, and you guys may not recognize this or know this, but there is so much pressure on pastors to conform to culture. Well, yeah, but, I mean, we're, we're, it doesn't matter really what you think on that, does it? I mean, I, did I tell you the story about my father visiting a church and him approaching the pastor about that very issue? Shake your head yes or no. I'm telling you again, you forgot it. He's looking for a church. He goes to the church, and he's sitting there, and he's listening, and he makes an appointment with the pastor. That's my dad. That's, how I, that's the dad I grew up with. He's going to find out where you are doctrinally. So he walks, makes an appointment with the pastor. He walks in, and he asks him one question. He said, uh, sir, what's, your, what's the, your viewpoint on the issue of homosexuality? He said, well, this church, we don't, we don't encourage it, but we don't discourage it either. Now, if you know my dad, I'm a little bit like my dad. I'm not six foot one, but I am a little bit like him in this way. He said, now, hold on a second. If I understand this correctly, you're okay with it. Your leadership's okay with it, but God's not okay with it. I don't know what he said at the end. See you later. Listen, there's pressure out there to conform to culture and even in the church. Verse 4 says, And they will turn away their ears from the truth. By the way, the truth is the word of God. That's it. It's this book. And we'll turn aside to myths. Now look what he's telling. Now this is the final communication Paul has, as we know it, with Timothy. He says, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship. Uh Uh-oh. Ministry's hard. Do the work of an evangelist. Notice what he says at the end. Fulfill your ministry. In other words, your retirement is when Jesus comes for you. (laughs) Fulfill your ministry. It's to the end. There's a lady in our church who I really, really enjoy visiting. Her name is Lynn Jones. I don't know how many of you know Lynn Jones, but she's homebound. I love sitting with Lynn Jones. One of the things I've run into over the years with people who can't come to church anymore... Um, they just feel useless. They don't, there's no purpose, right? They're just sitting at home. 
And I, this has happened on more than one occasion. Not, it's not just with Lynn. But I remember this last year visiting her, and she was expressing some of that. And I said, Lynn, I said, can I tell you what I did with Nell Miner a few years ago? You guys, you can't forget Nell Miner. She had her pockets filled with candy. At least the kids remembered, probably. But Nell got to that point. And I used to provide Nell with lists of people who needed prayer. And you know what? Your names were on that list. Hope you don't mind. Didn't ask your permission. That they need prayer. That's what I've done with Lynn Jones. I just saw her last week. I think it was last week, week before last. Gave her another list. Said, Lynn, these people need prayer. And do you know what she does? You should, I just wish you I wish I need to take a picture. She's like, oh, Thad, thank you so much. I need this in my life. She has a ministry to the end. She's not retired, although she's very restricted. You know, that can happen to any of us. And it can happen today where we're restricted. But you know what? We never retire from the ministry. She's still doing ministry. (laughs) I love that about Lynn. You say, Dad, but what ministry am I involved in? Well, I don't know. I don't know about your life. I know about some of you. And a lot of times, ministry is tagged to spiritual gifts. And, 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 and that's, a, there's a, that's a whole other study. We need to do that sometime. But ministry is attached to spiritual gifts, but it's also attached to the one another passages. Can I give you a few? In our closing time, let me give it to you. Ready? You say, what ministry do I have? As a believer, you have ministry to one another. Now, let me address this first. To the outside, to those outside of the body of Christ, all of us have a ministry to share the gospel with them. But ministry on the inside, in the body of Christ, looks this way. It's the one another passages. Don't you love those passages? Don't shake your head yes until I get done with them. Be at peace with one another. I'm just going to read them because I'm like, like, I'll give you the verses though. You can look them up. John 13, 34, love one another. And by the way, the one that's listed the most in all this is love one another. (laughs) You know. I've had people walk up to me before and said, that I don't, I don't like you, but I love you. I always wonder what that meant. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, I don't know if I can get past that statement, but it's, it happens. In fact, I think my wife's even said that. Have you ever said that to me? <laughs> Look at her. Her eyes, they went like this. You know what that means? Uh huh. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. John 13, 34, love one another. John 13, 35, by the, I'm going to read all this. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have one love, one for another. By the way, the word love we know is agape, which is unconditional and sacrificial. How does that sound to you? No conditions attached. Yeah, but I'm waiting for them to get to this point, and I'm going to love them. I'm sure glad my wife hadn't approached me like that. 
I'm still working on it, honey. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you. Uh-oh. So then there's something to measure it. John 15, 17. This I command you that you love one another. Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That's phileo. Phileo says, I'm willing to walk side by side with my brothers. Now, young people, some of these things might sound easy to you at your age. I don't know. But older people in here that are looking at me crossways, they know it's tough. And the longer you're a part of the body of Christ, it's tough, right? Because you remember... It demands a selflessness on our part. It's not about us. This is our ministry. Be devoted to one another. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind. Romans 12, 16. Romans 13, 8, oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another. You know, you're going through this and you're like, man, okay, this whole love one another thing's important. Romans 14, 19. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Is that important in the body? Answer, yeah, you bet it is. And all of us have the responsibility. Romans 15, 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant to you, grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ. Romans 15, 7, Therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Galatians 5, 13, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This whole thing we're talking about this morning. Galatians 5, 26, Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. By the way, guys, this is all of the, all of us have this responsibility. So you say, I don't, I haven't had a ministry. Here it is. Now you have one today. And it's pretty broad and it's pretty difficult and pretty impossible without the Spirit of God controlling your life. Bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, 2. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Truth. By the way, some truth is hard truth. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. You know, it's like, wow, okay, he had to put that phrase in there. Tender-hearted, forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Ephesians 5.21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Are you getting this? This is hard stuff. We need to be reminded of it. I know I needed the reminder. When I went through it, I'm like, ugh. Do not lie to one another. Since you've laid aside the old self with its practices, 
Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Teaching and admonishing. Admonishment is difficult. Teaching is okay. Admonishment is tough. Admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. By the way, if your children are believers, there are times when you're admonishing your children in the Lord. It's different than getting on to little Johnny who put his hand on the stove. I'm talking about admonishing them when they're in their sin. And saying, hey, not only do I not like that, but foremost, God doesn't like that. 1 Thessalonians 3, 2. Abound in love for one another. (laughs) I could go on and on until 12 o'clock. There's two pages. You look the rest of them up. Start out in First Thess and go to the end of the Bible and you'll find the responsibilities that we have for one another. I love you. I do. I hope you love me. Do you know sometimes it's hard to love one another? Any of you want to raise your hand and admit that? Absolutely it is. Every one of us in this room has a ministry. God has given it to us, and we must fulfill it because he said so. You say, well, Thad, I'm not on the level of some people. Ah, baloney. Read 1 Corinthians. Listen, God's placed each member in the body just as he purposed. And every one of you have a gift, and you're usable. And the idea is you need the person next to you just as much as they need you. That's the bottom line. But above the spiritual gifts is this whole one another stuff. And you say, well, I just don't feel like I'm really this important in the body of Christ. I want to close with this example that I read about that very issue. Just in case you think, well, I don't measure up. Hey, listen. When you got saved, the Lord placed you, right, baptized you into Christ. And you're sealed by the Spirit of God until the day of redemption. Listen, and his loving kindness and his grace is present in your life. And we don't need to do this, I'm not like that person. Well, good, you're not like that person. Everyone in the body of Christ is different. There's arms and legs and ears, right? They're, all of us are different. And in the Corinthian church, it was like, hey, if you're up front, you know, and you got all these visible things, you're important. But those little servant people, how important are they? Can I tell you something? Very important. I read this little story here. During World War II, England needed to increase its production of coal. Winston Churchill called together labor leaders to enlist their support. Listen to this. At the end of his presentation, he asked them to picture in their minds a parade which he knew would be held in Piccadilly Circus after the war. First, he said, would come the sailors who had kept the vital sea lanes open. Then would come the soldiers who had come from Dunkirk and then gone on to defeat Rommel in Africa. Then would come the pilots who had driven the Luftwaffe from the sky. Last of all, he said, because those are important people. Last of all, he said, 
would come a long line of sweat-stained men in miners' caps. Some, someone would cry from the crowd, And where were you during the critical days of our struggle? And from 10,000 throats would come the answer, We were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. Not all jobs, my friends, in a church are prominent or glamorous. I love this. But it is often the people with their faces to the coal who help the church accomplish its mission. Are you willing to put your face in the coal and fulfill it to the end? Let's pray. Lord, as we come to our 2019 Missions Conference, I pray that, first of all, we would all be here next Sunday. That we would be excited to hear about what you are doing around the world. There are people that are being saved around the world. We want to hear those stories, Lord, of how your church is growing Lord, we, we want to, all of us, including myself foremost, we want to be open to your leading and the leading of your spirit as we sit through this conference. I remember years ago, sitting through a missions conference at Southeastern, my mind was wide open to wherever you wanted me to go. And at the time, I thought it was going to be in New York with this youth ministry organization, and it didn't happen but then later on, you sent me to New York in a different capacity. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to lose our lives for your sake. Because people around the world need to hear about the loving kindness and the grace of the Lord Jesus. And might I say, Lord, that from my vantage point, from what I can see... It starts in our own Jerusalem. There are so many people today in our culture who are shaking their fist at you, rejecting you. The mission field is wide open. Help us to be about the ministry that you've given us outside to those that are without you. And help us to be about the ministry you've given us inside to not only use the gifts you've given us but to embrace these one another passages so that when we see other brothers and sisters in Christ, we're seeing them the right way. For your salvation, we are thankful. For your spirit that resides within us, we are thankful. Help us to be led by him in the name of Christ. Amen. Guys, all those things that we do for each other. Now that's a supernatural thing, right? That can only happen um, as we let the way Jesus loves us permeate our lives and that love is, is shown to other, others. We, we sang about that. Um, so it's all about Jesus. And as we open the service this morning uh, from Revelations, all that praise and worship uh, that was in that scripture was for Jesus. And so let's all stand and let's... Uh, Let's sing what they're singing in heaven right now. That's, we, we read it this morning. Holy, holy, holy.
um, is the Lord, the God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let's sing that and just keep it in mind. I mean, they're singing it in heaven right now, day and night, without ceasing. This is being sung. So let's sing.
illustration with you today about the, the guy that was laying, you know, in my way, so to speak, on the way to the hospital, and um, we sang the song, the choir did, that disturbed song, and it so reminded me of that. Um, are we willing to be disturbed? <laughs> That's not always going to be so easy. But I believe that if you're in Christ and your mind is where it needs to be in that relationship, then you want all the glory to go to Him. So, because of that, let's be willing to be disturbed. You never know what that's going to look like in your life or mine. You're dismissed.